Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God working in your life. Enjoy the message. We're finishing another volume of the Ephesians series today, and um, the last couple weeks we've been talking about the armor of God, and we're going to finish the series today with one final look at the armor of God. It's the king's armor, actually. God gives us his armor, because we are in uh, this battle, this battle royal, if you will about the last one standing. Who will be the last one standing in our war against uh, the enemy? He has targeted every believer. He's targeted every church. He's targeted the church. And I want to ask the question again. Is, well, that question and the other, (laughs) the other question as well. Is this really true? Are we really in a war? Do I really believe that? The Bible says so. The Apostle Paul says it like this, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God. Why? so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The Bible says there is a real war, but it's a spiritual war. That means the activity of it is invisible, but the manifestation of the war is visible. But it's not always discerned as a spiritual war. Jesus told the woman at the well that God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, regardless of the location, geography. We are spirit beings housed in, hey, you know what? I'm going to, instead of seeing men as trees, I'm going to see men as men. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking about. Anyway, I was like, why can't I see? Oh, I know why I can't see. We are spirit beings housed in jars of clay. Our human bodies have been crafted by the Lord, according to Psalm 139. And David says that our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if we've been born of the Holy Spirit, our spirit is as well. If we're not born of the Spirit yet, and hopefully it's a yet with people who aren't, the Bible says our spirit is dead in sin. But if our spirit is alive, then it's been beautifully made by God too. And if not, that means our spirit being within us that's housed within our soul, the navigational device is broken. Our ability to reason along with the the diverse inclinations that we all have. Uh, We're all human beings, but we all have 
uh, we're not all cut out of the same cloth. We, we, we all have come from different socioeconomic uh, relational tributaries of life. And although we're all human and we all have a soul and a spirit um, and we all have a sin nature before we have the Holy Spirit give life to our spirit man, or our inclinations toward sin uh, differ. We all lean toward sin. We don't know. We're just living. But we differ in our inclinations. The manifestations of the sin nature differ with people. And then we categorize sin and sinners. Well, that's a good person. They need Jesus. They're a good person. And then this person, uh, yeah. And all these, all these variants along the, this line of, of morality. But the Bible says regardless, uh, in every person who doesn't have the spirit of truth and the spirit of God, uh, our navigational device is broken. And the reasoning within us um, manifests in that brokenness. Diverse inclinations, diverse manifestations of our sin nature. And all the lists of sin are in the Bible and we can go, well, at least I don't do that. Oh, that's a reprobate mind there. But me, I'm just trying. I'm just trying. And, we've, and that, that's where we're, everybody is. And then we have definitions and categor, categories of people. But there's something invisible going on in the midst that someone's been working in all of our lives. And as a believer, when the Spirit of God gives life to my spirit, the Bible says that I can now become a partaker of God's divine nature. And through that participation, I can escape the corruption in the world that's caused by my broken navigational device which is matched to the spirit of the age. So when my broken navigational device, which I don't know is broken if I don't have the light of God, matches the world, well, let's just, that's what you do. There's the path. Whatever feels good, that seems right to me. My senses are what lead me. And that's called just living. The Bible calls it bound and following the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air. And that's the war. All the while, God still loves the world. God still loves the people of the world. We are in a spiritual walk with God if we're believers. Down here on the concrete of real world living. But we're also in this battle and it's not with flesh and blood but it's against spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. There is a high ground level where the enemies of mankind have entrenched themselves and they're incredible deceivers and incredible destroyers. Is that true? I mean, again, is this really what is real? They're in high places. But Jesus is in a higher place. Jesus is in the highest place. And according to Ephesians 1, the Rags to Riches volume of this, we are 
elevated to the highest place with him. So the enemy that we're fighting who is in high places, we are positioned in a higher place. But, even though that's the case, there is another component in our life that is still, still more conditioned to go after the inclinations of my old way and the way and the spirit of the age. And the battle for me is to continue, the enemy to continue to appeal to that. And I have to have a discerning navigational system that can show me that's darkness. That's the pathway to deception and bondage. That's the war. So Paul goes to tell us this. Put on God's armor. Last week, the second slide. Stand firm, therefore, by fastening the belt of truth around your waist. These are all our responsibilities. God gives us the jaguar with all kinds of bells and whistles and then gives me the keys. I can sit in a driveway. I can turn that engine on and roll. He gives me the weapons that are powerful to win the war, but I have to put them on. The, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, my feet fitted with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace. We covered that last week. This week, we go on. And in all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The picture, picture the Braveheart movie. The enemies pull back, light their arrows on fire, shoot them through the sky to land, and the people that do not put the shield up, that arrow hits the shield and it's on fire. But if it gets past the shield, if it hits a vital organ, the person's in trouble. The person's in trouble. That's the imagery we have here. But the shield of faith can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus shows us how to do this in Matthew chapter 4. I also think in Luke chapter 4, right? Is it Luke 4? Or Luke, yeah. He's led out in the spirit to do this battle with the devil. And Satan appeals, deceives, and uh, to, uh, tries to deceive Jesus on his identity. If you are the son of God, tell He's hungry, so he appeals to his God-given, biological, everybody human need. Just do it the way Satan offers. If you are this, command the stone to become bread. And on and on and on, the other temptations. And Jesus holds up the shield of faith, which means he knows who he is. He's not going to get into debate on who he is. He knows who he is. He knows who his father is. And he knows what his destiny is. And then he speaks with the sword of the spirit. It is written. It is written. It is. This is how we engage. But if we don't believe we're in a war, we just... What? That's the question today. Is this really going on? Paul says it is. Next, with every prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the spirit. If you're going to pray, go into a location where the spirit of God is moving. With prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and to this end be alert. In other words, be in the spirit when you're praying. 
When you're praying, make sure you're in the Spirit. Make sure you're in the Spirit. Because when you're in the Spirit, heaven's calms are up. Heaven's calm. In battle, it's very important you're following the right calms. You know what I'm talking about? Communication? When you're in the Spirit, your calms are up with all perseverance and requests for all the saints. Part of our armor, then Paul says, is this. Pray for me also. Part of your spiritual armor is to pray for your spiritual leadership. Because, and in our case, if the enemy can deceive me and you're listening to me, you should check me out with everything I say. And if I miss it, kill me. No. <laughs> Get me on YouTube. Call me a false prophet. End my, end my opportunity. No. Everybody can miss it. Everybody can miss it. Everybody can. But there's a difference in missing it, saying the wrong thing, under, under you know, getting all fired, or, or just intentionally going on a direction. Most, most false teachers don't, aren't intent, intentionally seeking to deceive. But when you're deceived, you deceive. What's one of the sure signs of the coming of the Lord? Jesus said, first thing, be careful no one deceives you. Very first thing. For many will come in money. Very first thing. So, we need to pray for our spiritual leadership because that's part of your armor. Pray for me also, Paul says, that I may be given the message when I begin to speak, that I may confidently make known the mystery. Confident. You know why in his world he needed to be confident when he preached? Because he was going to get it. He was going to get it. That I can confidently make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. He's already in prison for doing this. Pray that I may be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. He didn't pray. Pray that I can get out of here. Pray that I can continue to be bold even if it means my life. That's what he's saying. Good. Night of living. I don't even feel like I have the right to even preach any further than that. Because I don't even know what that is. Imagine all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a, in a place and you look down and there's a red red laser light on your chest. And it's not one of your friends just messing with you with their, with their pointer. There's a red or on your head. Every one of these areas that Paul mentions are where the enemy has a red laser target. Your heart, my heart, my mind, my life, all that. And this battle is about influence. As I said last week, he fears us knowing who Christ is in us. He fears you knowing who Jesus is on the inside of you. And he fears you knowing who you are in Christ. Because he doesn't want us influencing people that he already has. His purpose is about creating chaos in your life and my life. His purpose is about bringing confusion in your life and in my life. He loves to put condemnation on people with sensitized hearts who are trying to lean toward light but understand they're not all that they could be yet and he wants to condemn you so you can't hear the Holy Spirit graciously and gently convincing you and convicting you toward healing 
condemn you so you go hide and put the fig leaves all over yourself. That's his game. And hindering. Hinder. Paul even said, Satan hindered us. So before we think we can just say magic, presto, changeo, part Red Sea, Paul even said there was times that Satan hindered him. If he can hinder Paul, he can hinder us. Think it not strange if you're in a hindering time, uh, hindrance time. It doesn't mean it stays that way, but understand this, this battle is more intense and it requires more than you getting up and saying a Bible verse and going on your way. It is an entrenched wrestling battle against darkness. I ask again, is this thing real? The battle is about distracting us while he destroys others. Kids, parents, neighborhoods, churches, nations. Satan has schemes. These are intentional, well thought out strategies to deceive, distort, Divide, while, distract while he continues to destroy. His intentional strategies are these. Tim McGregor, his helmet of salvation must be targeted. Your helmet of salvation, your knowledge of what God's done for you, the memories of all that God's doing in you, what we just sang about, I've witnessed it, We've sang, we sang it, we sang it. And it's great to sing that on Sunday morning. But you know when you need to have, Wednesday morning, I've witnessed, right? Thursday morning, Thursday night. Target the helmet of salvation. Another one, the sword of the spirit has to be neutralized in her life, in his life. Prayer power must be pressed into offline mode. This is his intentional strategy for you, for me, for every kid, for every shine kid. Pray in the spirit. It's about a dimension in the spirit. As John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. But you know what I know John would say? He would say he was in the spirit every day. John wouldn't have just said, hey, did you know that one day of the week where we get in the spirit? No. I was in the spirit. On, in other words, when John would wake up, it would be like he walked into the elevator and said, going up every day. Praying in the spirit is a dimension where we are going up. We are praying beyond ourselves. His Dimension is influencing me. My groanings are, that I don't even understand are being read and understood by the, by the one who can know my thoughts before I think them and my feelings when I don't even how to express them. And in the language beyond my own intellect, which is a gift for all of us, it's not something to wait on, it's already in your jag. You can listen to AM radio or you can listen to Sirius XM, it's up to you. You can pray in English all the time, or you can pray in the spiritual language. If you're waiting on something to drop down like a parachute, you'll wait to the end of time. It's already on the inside of you because the Spirit is a person. He doesn't come in parts. I'll give him a little bit here and a little bit there. I'll give him a Nazarene bit and then a Methodist bit. No, you get the whole jag. You can decide what you do with it. Sit in your driveway, praying for someone to send you the keys when you're in your own hand. 
ask permission if you can go 100 miles an hour down a long stretch. I'd do that. <laughs> That's what this thing's about. It's not another gift you're waiting on. The gift is the person. The gift of the Holy Spirit who has a language. And he, and he mixes his language with my language and I can pray beyond myself. Satan hates that topic as much as he hates preaching about the blood of Jesus. You know why? Because people who can pray like that are unleashing a, unleashing a weapon from the temple of their soul that can break all kinds of bondages off their own life and off the lives of others. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's that simple. One thing I found out when I'm praying beyond my own language like that in the spirit is that things will pop up in my mind and people will pop up in my mind. And, 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 and I think sometimes, maybe many times, the Holy Spirit is showing me what he's actually praying through me. The Bible says when you pray like that, you're building up yourself in your most holy faith. You're not talking to men, you're talking to God. Since battle is about influence and chaos and confusion and distraction, it's about distracting me while he can destroy someone else. His intentional strategy is, I've got to target the helmet of his salvation. I've got to neutralize him being able to speak the word of God by the, being led by the Spirit in a now moment, in a now message. And I must get his prayer power offline. And yours. Watch how these schemes and these strategies link together for a final goal. The final goal is to keep people that you know and I know from coming to Jesus Christ through the life and the light that God is, wants to shine through me and you. That's the final goal. If he can't get you, he wants to distract you so you have no influence in those that he's destroying. Here are the schemes. It goes like this. At first, for me and you, it's about memory loss. In volume one, I, I preached about going from rags to riches. And what the enemy's fiery missile is for is to get me from going from riches to back to rags in memory. Psalm 103 tells us do not forget the benefits of Yahweh. Do not forget them, which means you can. In Ephesians 1, we, we get a little bit of what Paul describes as the unsearchable riches of Christ. So I wake up in the morning by God's grace, and instead of just reading them, I've read them so much that I want them to be incarnational. And so I wake up and I have about, I have a shorter amount of time than a New York second to, to choose to do this because the devil is right there with my alarm telling me as soon as I come into consciousness, you're a knot. And let me see what else I can throw at him. Let's see if we'll go for this. I'm going to attack your, I'm going to, Get your that. I'm going to steal your this. I'm going to blah, blah. You go for this? Maybe we'll go for that. He'll go for that. Will you go for this? I got about less than a half a second. I got a blink of an eye to decide. 
I can get out of my bed and I can say, Lord, I thank you, Father, that your grace and peace are toward me today. I'm just quoting, but it's, it's a prayer. I want to thank you that you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places with Jesus. I want to thank you that you didn't do that against your will. It was according to the kind intention of your will. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, why don't you just stay right there for a minute? Because you don't always naturally think that God looks kindly toward you. So I want you just to stop right here for a minute. See, calms her up. I want you to stop. And just stop, Tim. Stop. There's kind intentionality from heaven toward you. And toward the church. And toward your son. And toward your daughter. And toward your friends. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, God, that you have forgiven me in such a manner that it's like lavish, like a downpour. That, I, that I'm setting my mind today to believe that it's almost like I'm in a rainstorm of forgiveness on my life. You know, and, and on and on and on and on and on. That's, that's intentionally staying in the memory of what Christ has done for me. It's sort of putting the helmet of salvation on. I love the phrase, to the glory of your grace. I love to just think of that. The where, where my apartment is, I can look out the back window and look all the way down through the narrows. And I like to sit on the top of my couch with my coffee mug in hand. And I like to look out through there and just think, wow, the glory of your grace. I wish I could say I do that all the time. I wish I could say I never have a, d- a down day. But you know what I find? I find that when I mind the riches, my mind is better. And this thing is about memory loss. You know, the deep theologian that I am, finding an illustration, of course I go to the Lion King movie. Because in the Lion King movie, Uncle Scar has convinced Simba, who is destined to be the king, Uncle Scar convinces, don't you feel the Holy Spirit? Right? Hey. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Scar has convinced Simba that it's his fault his father is dead. It's his fault. And so he better run away. Run, run, Simba. Run away. See, when Uncle Scar convinces you, Uncle Scar rules what belongs to you. The devil wants what's yours because it's not his. He wants your domain. And the first thing is to get you to forget who you really are. It's about memory loss. Second, it's about ID replacement. Have you ever been listening to the radio and one of these commercials comes on and talks about people stealing your your identification and and your and your more and your and your house and you're going along and you've and something and they have these people on there and it scares you to death i'm glad i don't own a house but anyway uh at this point but it's like yeah i was just minding my own business in my house and next thing you knew somebody else owned my house <laughs> they got onto this thing on the internet and they got my house from me and you're like going and the guy says now if you'll just pay 29.99 we'll make sure that never happens to you I don't know if that helps or not. Dear Lord. 
I think they already own all of us anyway. They're just mercifully letting us act like we're free. I don't know. ID replacement. I either have a renewed mind or I, I shift into pseudo logic. The world is in pseudo logic. It's either the logos, the living, breathing word from the scriptures in the word of the, of the one who wrote them, who's in my heart, and it's a living, breathing, ongoing conversation, organically planting seeds in my life, the logos of God, or it is back into pseudo-logic. And we are down here in the, on the concrete with the world, with the ways of the world all around us, and our old nature still on the inside of us. Uh, so I'm going on vacation, and, and someone said, where are you going, I, or what do you want to do on vacation? I said, well, the one thing I'd like to do is take the other part of me and lock him in a closet and make him have to stay here in this town while I go to another town. I don't want me to go with me sometime. Because I got another side of me that's crazy sometime. Not real crazy. But I mean, just, he won't, he won't be Christian. Do you know you cannot Christianize your old nature? It ain't never going to happen. That old dude's going to pop up in the back seat of your car and go, I got some sinning ideas. I got a bright idea. That guy talks to you, or girl, you decide. And you're going along your merry way, just your little love machine, loving everybody, kind little soul we are. And someone steals your parking space. And all of a sudden, you might catch it before it comes out of your mouth. And sometimes you don't. You idiot. <laughs> or someone does, someone does you wrong. And this person starts to tell you how wonderful you are and how terrible they are. And it builds the case. And that's just oversimplification. But this is, again, there's a war going on. Words are flowing into the minds of every living person right now that's awake. And many are not coming from the person. But if you're not in the war and you're not in the logos... You don't have your senses trained to discern good from evil. Just going by your own thoughts. If I am being led by my own thoughts, I guarantee you, maybe not outwardly, but inwardly, I'm a mess. Words are flowing into the minds of every living person and many are not coming from the person. We become what we think about all day long. Nobody's exempt. They say we are what we eat, which means I can't exercise a bad diet away. And I can't sanctify a bad mind download in my life. Whatever I download, it, it's, 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 it's there. We are who we are by the grace of God, and we find out who we are in the Word of God. And that's the war. Right now, it's manifesting with different leaves on this tree of pseudo-logic. And some of the leaves that seem to be very prevalent today, as we enter into another month of pride, is, the, is this like the 14th month of the year we're doing the pride thing again? 
thought we just did 16 of them. There are leaves that are manifesting, but they're not the only leaves manifesting pseudo-logic. Anybody, whatever we are, if we're not in the light and the logos is not dominant, then we are in some form of pseudo-logic. The explanation for all of it, that which is prevalently manifesting everywhere you look now, and the others that will go in other phases as we keep walking down this merry uh, road of delusion is that it comes from our hearts being far from God. This is Ephesians 4. Our understanding and our deep-seated uh, uh, senses of navigation are in the dark. So we're led by senses and we're led by the inclinations of our own self, which is diverse, but it's still the same. Uh, we're led by feelings, having been past uh, being clo uh, in, 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 in relationship with God, we push truth aside, and we've been conditioned to have our own, and so therefore, and it just manifests differently. And again, the trees right now, some of the leaves are popping. But we can look at that and go, well, but if we're not in the light, if we're not walking in the Logos, if we're not continually having our brain washed in the water of the word, we're being brainwashed. That's the war. It's about memory loss. It's about ID replacement. Why? Why is he, why is he doing that? Because if I don't have the new self created from God, I only have my only self, and my only self at best is in darkness, led by its own senses, with the experience of its own, and its own feelings and inclinations, and the Bible says, you're without understanding. And then something else is defined as truth. Everybody has a truth. I have counseled, not lately, we're back 10 more years, okay, so nobody present here where two Christian people, both married, not to each other. This happened more, this is more than one time in my few years of pastoring. Christian people, both married, not to one another, have sat, looked me right in the eye, and said, God led them to be one. Impossible to outlogic that. Impossible. Bible verse, whatever, no. The soul had already been tied. And that didn't happen going like from here to, hey, God wants me to be with somebody else that's married to that person. No, it's just this slow, boil, incremental change you don't even notice it. You're not in the war. Every thought's in your head, you. The empty vacuum of what you might have in your own relationship, the enemy knows it. Burn. This guy. Hey, let's work out a situation where they get in the same whatever. Maybe we'll get them to start driving to work together. I've watched that happen. I've watched that more than once. 
to Christians. Why would we think that's strange when, as I said in the first message, Satan deceived Eve and Adam and they didn't have a sin nature? This is a war. There are thoughts. Anybody think? Th these messages have not been easy for me to preach. Can I just tell you that? I've had my brains beat out for three, three weeks straight. Not by you. Because when you touch areas that he's had ground, he doesn't like that. So if he can back me off or back a preacher off or back a, a spiritual leader off, why does he want to back me off? Who's he going for? Strike the shepherd and the sheep are scattered. I'm not trying to make this about me. I'm telling you, there is a real war and much of the church has not shown up for it. So it's memory loss, ID replacement for the purpose of discipleship deformity. It's a, there's a discipleship, but it's not the kind that's of Christ. What Paul says in Ephesians 4, he goes about people living that way, and he, and he warns the believer who has the Spirit of God in the riches of God. He says, now you, don't be conformed. Don't follow the path, meaning you can. You can go back into this realm in the darkness, calling it light, flipped upside down. It's like a preacher who'll be preaching on his head, standing on his head. Calling it standing straight up. He said, but that is not how you learned Christ. If you know that the truth is in Jesus, if you've been taught to put away your old self and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new, who's supposed to do that? We are. So the disciple deformity is that you can have intelligent people who aren't spirit-born or spirit-born but then not spirit-formed and new terms are, are, are then introduced in of who's a Christian. There's a new way that people are classifying Christians today which I don't disagree with at all. It's a biblical idea. I've, instead of calling people Christians, the big hot thing is to call people faithful followers of Jesus which is exactly 1,000% accurate but if faithful follower of Jesus excludes a conversion dynamic of a spiritual invasion from the Holy Spirit to take you from darkness to light, you can't be a faithful follower of Jesus just by studying gospel truth and trying to live them out. You can't be a faithful follower of Jesus without the Spirit of Christ in your life. Paul said... I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He who is in Christ is a new creation. Just because that people are misusing the term Christianity, the more we back away from stuff to please people that are evaluating us who don't know their right from their left, we are weakening the witness of the church. Amen. Weakening it. A discipleship deformity sounds good if it's biblically true. But the New Testament definition of discipleship means that the Holy Spirit wants to move you and me. It's about you, me, me, you, and 
the metaphors. A growing disciple of Jesus by the spirit work and the logos work in the fellowship of the saints is to convince me to walk in the reality that I am actually Jesus' body on the earth. That I am actually a sheep that can hear his voice and follow his voice. That the people that go to my church are my real brothers and sisters. We're not just an audience at a Broadway musical that we don't even know each other. We are truly brothers and sisters in Christ and we are responsible for one another. Right. And on and on. A bride. All of this. True discipleship is making us that. And in the midst of that, Paul says, we can, we can short circuit this and just have our minds like those who don't have understanding. It's a war. The enemy is about distracting, deceiving, deforming, because he wants to continue to have a free hand of destroying. But we are to be an army in this battle, not with flesh and blood. In my hearing, the shepherd of heaven is speaking to me and to you to grow out of self-serve Christianity into a wholesome, holy love serving of one another and to God. Dallas Willard dis defines discipleship as this. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. So we have to armor up. Notice the process of the devil's strategy. Brilliant, maniacal. I forget who I am. My identity is confused. My discipleship deforms so that I'm not about evangelizing anybody. The goal of those three is this one. Evangelism stagnation. Ephesians describes the people. Here's how Paul and Jesus looks at every person in the world that's not Holy Spirit born. That's how I'd call it. If I'm going to faithful follow whatever, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. Holy Spirit born people. Because the only people that enter the kingdom of God are not those who say they're a faithful follower. The only people that go are Holy Spirit born because the only way to be a faithful follower is to be Holy Spirit born and Holy Spirit led. The sons and daughters of God are those who are led by the Spirit, Romans 8. Not those who study the Gospels of Jesus. Led by the Spirit of God in studying the Gospels of Jesus. Here's how Ephesians describes the people without Christ. Separated from life. These are quotes from Ephesians 2. Without hope. Without hope. We are to be mobile, living, engaging, moving lighthouses of hope. Because the world is without hope. And the other, without God in the world. Jesus wept over people like that. 
dead in sin. When the church becomes an end in itself, it ends. That's from Robbie Gallaty, who wrote a book on how to make disciples who make disciples. We are called to be a people who declare the glory of God in life, in moving, living lighthouses of hope, who know who we are, Simba going back to kick Uncle Scar out of the camp. And raising up their kid on the rock. Generation after generation after generation after generation. And sometimes Rafiki needs to come and knock Simba in the head. Donk! You'll forget who you are. <laughs> he takes him to the pool, looks in the water, and Mufasa's image shows up and then manifests in the clouds. And he says, Simba, you've forgotten me. He goes, no, I've never forgotten you. Yes, you have. Because when you forget who you are, you've forgotten me. Rafiki goes, cook. We need that. Here's my little love tap to you. Cook. Cook. This is the enemy's game. Uncle Scar, right? Has the hyenas running the show. We'll just let that go on. <laughs> so what do we do? We put on the full armor. I arise in the morning, not only as a son, but as a warrior. Missiles incoming. I have a shield and I have a sword. I have an opportunity every morning to set my mind to get my mouth engaged in the right conversation. To review and renew the riches daily. To tie this thing in practice. So that when the fiery missiles come at me appealing to my old nature, which is wanting that missile. Weird. As I engage in the world, walking through the streets of the world, the world system calls to me. Hey, if he calls to Jesus, he'll call to me. Do you know, I don't know how this works out theologically, but if you notice, it says, and Satan took Jesus. Here, think of this. And had him stand on the edge, the highest point of the temple, and quoted a Bible verse jump off because doesn't the Bible say God will protect you with angelic protection I wonder how many believers are at the edge nobody knows but you and the devil and God There are churches at the edge. There are pastors at the edge. And not, I'm not judging anybody. I, man, listen, here's what I know. Uh, my heart breaks. Uh, your heart breaks more for people when you've been broken than before you're broken. 
Before you're broken, you have a, a finger, you have a, well, if it would have been me, I just don't understand how a person could. And then you come out of the whale's belly and get vomited up on the shore and you go, oh, now I kind of understand. I bet you David didn't go around going, you know what, I don't understand how these kings are flirting around with other women. He might have before the stroll on the roof, but not after. Oh, let me take that back. No, you can go back to being that again if you forget who you are and quit renewing your mind in the fact that the only reason you're anything is the grace of God. And this is the war we're all in. Think it not strange when the mighty fall and think it not strange when the weak kill the giant. Because we can use the weapons or we can have a false assurance after winning many battles and walking very long through a path of, quote, faithfulness and think our faithfulness actually came from us. And that's why we must renew. That's why Paul would say in the last letter that he was the chief of sinners, that the worst of all, because he never lost sight and God helped him never lose sight by sending a tormenting spirit to constantly buffet him so Paul would always be reminded that it was only the grace of God that was sufficient in his life. Some of the things maybe that we're fighting away are the very blessings that God keeps us from falling away. And as I opened this three-part thing on the armor, I want to close it with the thing that I've wanted to remind all of us all along the way, and it's this. With all of that said about the parts we play, here's the one thing to never forget. We are not alone. I love this passage from Isaiah 52. When he's talking to the people of God who've come awake to the fact they've been in bondage and now God has shown them that this one is going to die for them and redeem them. And then he calls them before Jesus is even born. It's a picture of the Babylonian exile and coming back to Jerusalem. And he says, come on. And he calls them up and he calls them out and he tells them to come. And then he says this beautiful way. He says, you will not leave in a hurry running for your lives for the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. We're not in this battle alone. We put on the armor, but he does the fighting. We, we just, we, we, we remember who we are, but we remember who he is. We are not fighting this by ourselves. Paul says, man, Paul, I think Paul, dude, and he's asking me to pray for him, right? He asks these Ephesians, he just wrote them a chapter before. Hey, some of you guys that are still stealing stuff, stop stealing stuff. Oh, but by the way, pray for me. I mean, <laughs> what? You know what I mean? Like, that guy, the stealer needs to have Paul. Paul's like, pray for me. Paul realized that the least of these gets that arsenal going and covers the greatest of these. We need one another. It's not just me and Jesus. That's why I keep saying, as a pain in your 
blessed part about the the importance of being together and not just live streaming this thing. Because... Paul is the one, if the apostle, I can't, I need to come to Rome and be with you. I want to be, I long to be with you so that we can encourage each other in our faith. Well, I got me and Martha saying, well, you and Martha ain't enough. Love you, Martha. I don't mean anything by that, you know. Mary and Martha, yeah, Jesus was one of the friends of Martha. Yeah, I don't mean that. That just came to my mind. Sorry about that to every Martha that ever lived. We are not alone. We are not alone. Would everybody stand, please? If I can, if I can, uh, if I can do damage on McGregor's helmet of salvation, if I can convince him that his prayers never even get past his breath, if I can get him to shut up and not take the word of God and speak if I can keep him distracted in micromanagerial things and off the high mountain looking at strategies to win a city to Christ if I can take people that are beginning to step up to serve and stir up things behind them that they've got to look back instead of look forward getting in the back off hey friend welcome to the war Anybody that's doing anything for God, that's making any kind of difference, is in some sort of an intense battle, and it will never go away. And the more strategic you get into a place that can take communities of faith to other levels of maturity, expect it. Expect it. Sometimes, you know what? Certain things, if you want out of life, could come real easy if you just step out of the war. He'll even offer you the world to bypass the cross. Give you the whole world. Give you the whole world. What do you want? You hungry? You want a woman? What do you want? I got them. I can line you up. I can fix you up. Just shut your comms off you don't want to hear him and just go with your gut go with your heart after all everybody knows we're all just human we all need bread we all need a little bit of little that right come on I got you just get on my back I'll get you across that river let's go I'll get you over there faster no pain just gain him you ever heard him red laser red letters unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before him spotless on that day that's who's praying for us heavenly father we come to you right now and thank you for the revelational truths of your word. I pray for every brother and every sister. I pray for all the lambs among us. 
I pray, God, for every father and every son. I pray for every mother and every daughter. I pray for everybody that knows who they are in Christ. I pray, God, that the, that, that identity would intensify, that we'd be able to say, by the grace of God, I am who I am, and I am following the I am. I pray that you would teach us to train our hands for war. And Lord, we wouldn't get off in crazy land or off in extremities, but we just, in the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus, follow you and fight the good fight of faith. I pray that now for every person under the sound of my voice, more importantly, under the sound of your voice. And I pray it so in Jesus' name. Let's give God praise for his, his word today.